again. I don't know about you, but that is a good way to start Easter. And so I want to be, I know I'm not the first, but I want to be able to say also to you, happy Easter. And apparently because of the temperature, Merry Christmas as well. Um, we're, we're glad to have you. This is awesome. We get to celebrate Christmas and Easter at the same time in Wisconsin. Isn't that cool? Uh, but we are glad that you're here. Happy Easter. And uh, this is an awesome day. Let me just tell you that uh, it doesn't get bigger than this. Because if we serve and if we worship a God who's dead and lied about it, then what are we even doing here? But we are here today as a testimony to declare emphatically together as a church that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive, that he's resurrected, and that we are here to celebrate that resurrection together. Amen? There we go, church. Yeah, now we're moving. All right. I love you guys. God loves you, and we are ready. So uh, I want to start by asking you some questions, uh, and I want you to participate. So raise your hand if this is true. If this is not true, don't raise your hand. It's bad to lie in church. I'm just saying, right? Uh, so here's the first question. How many of you would say when you get an email from somebody, man, you get excited about it? All right, there's like four of you, five maybe. A couple of creepers are like, eh, maybe. It depends on the email, right? Depends on the email. All right, how many of you would say you get really excited when you get a text message on your phone from your dentist's office reminding you that you have a teeth cleaning or a cavity filling tomorrow? How many of you say you get excited about that? All right, we've got three takers. That's awesome. You guys are weird. That's amazing. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. You're, you're awesome. All right, so you get excited about that because you're like, man, we're going to get the teeth cleaned. Okay, let, let me, in, in contrast to that, maybe... Uh, how many of you would say that you would get at least a little more excited than those first two scenarios if you got a physical card, an invitation card in the mail that invited you to a party or a wedding or a graduation open house, something like that? How many of you would get more excited about something like that? All right, that's almost everybody in here. Some of you are like, nah, I don't want to go to a party. All right, cool. All right, sounds good. We've got a lot of weirdos in here. I love that. That's amazing. No, I'm just kidding. I love you guys. The question is, why are we more excited about the third one than the first two? Well, there's a lot of reasons, because I think an email is just normal kind of mode. Uh, most people I don't know, most people, they're like, yay, dentist day, you know, this is awesome. But what I do know is that most people get excited about being invited into something, Right? We get excited. As human beings, we look forward to getting invited into good things. Well, today is Easter. And today, we are actually in the midst of a sermon series that we started last week. This is the second week of it. And it is, now just wait for this. You're going to be so excited. You know what our sermon series is called? It's one word, and the word is Modnik. I know, you can't contain your excitement about that one. You're like, man, I love Modnik. Most of you are like, I have no idea what Modnik is. That's cool. It's a weird word. Until you realize that Modnik is actually not a real word, but it is if you look at it backwards because it's very simply the word kingdom spelled backwards. 
That's all Modnik is. It's kingdom backwards, Modnik. I've never said kingdom backwards, but now I have. I'm going to say it a lot over the next few weeks. We are in the midst of the second week of this series called Modnik. Last week, we started with the letter K, and we said that the letter K stands for our king on a cross. And we asked the question, what kind of king would leave his throne, would leave heaven, would step away from every ounce of perfection to join us here on earth and then eventually be beaten and tortured and crucified on a cross for us? What kind of king would do that? And the answer is our king, his name is Jesus. We just sang about that name just a second ago, didn't we? The most wonderful name that there is, the wonderful name of Jesus. But today, we move on to the next letter. We're working our way backwards through the word modnik. So the next letter is I. And so today, you've probably already figured it out because of the questions that I asked you already. Today is the word invited. The word invited. You have been invited by God into something amazing. Now, you might be asking the question, well, what, what was I invited into? Because I want to know. Some of your planners, you're like, uh, when is it going to end? Who's going to be there? <laughs> right? Some of you, 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 you ask those questions. My wife's one of those. She likes to ask those questions. She's like, what are we getting ourselves into? And when are we leaving? Because you'll talk forever. <laughs> she knows me. <laughs> but you're invited into something. I'll get into that in a minute. But first, let me tell you a story of the power of an invitation. So when I was in sixth grade, yes, that was a long time ago, I was in sixth grade, and I was singing in a group called the Rapid City Children's Choir. And uh, we lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, and so I was in this, this group called the Rapid City Children's Choir. And we were invited by, I don't know who we were invited by, to go sing at Mount Rushmore for the 50th anniversary of Mount Rushmore. They were going to have TV broadcasts. Hundreds and hundreds of people were going to pack this outdoor amphitheater that sits kind of facing Mount Rushmore on the mountain, kind of in front of it. And, and our Rapid City Children's Choir, there's like 80 or 100 kids or something in this choir. It was a big choir. And we were invited to sing at this 50th anniversary on the 4th of July. And so I remember getting there. We had to take a special bus because they had security. And the reason they had security was because the president of the United States was going to personally attend this ceremony and speak at this ceremony. And uh, we weren't sure if we were going to get to meet him, but this is what happened. So they flew the president in. In fact, I have a couple of pictures of this. Take a look. This is a picture of the actual event. You can see the outdoor amphitheater and, and uh, Mount Rushmore in the background. Now, I'm not in this picture. I'm backstage. So if you see the screen and all the people on the stage, I'm behind that, kind of in those trees back there at this moment, right? Yay! I did get to come out later with the choir, right? But, but I was not out there at that moment. But this is the picture of that day on the 50th anniversary of Mount Rushmore. And so the, they, they brought the president in on Marine One, which is the presidential helicopter. We actually have a picture of that. He landed outside of Mount Rushmore at Keystone, this little, this little village, this little town called Keystone. And then they jumped in the motorcade and drove him up, the president up, to the Mount Rushmore site. And so I remember I was standing backstage getting ready to go on. And all of a sudden, these like four or five black vehicles come in, and all these people pour out in black suits. You know what that was? That was Secret Service. And they all kind of go around. They have this perimeter. I kid you not, there were soldiers in the, in the woods with their rifles and everything. Like the whole thing was blocked off. I remember thinking, man, as a sixth grade kid, I'm going, this is awesome. 
right? I mean, this is amazing. And so, and then all of a sudden, the president of the United States, which at that time was George Bush Sr., not his son, not George W. Bush, but George Bush Sr., he's 6'2". He's a big dude. And he walks out, and I'm a sixth grader. I'm like, wow. And he comes through, and I get to shake his hand and meet the president of the United States, got his autograph. It was amazing. I still have it to this day somewhere. Who knows? It's in a box. <laughs> because it's so special. Where's most of your special stuff from memoirs? They're in a box labeled memoirs. <laughs> but it was an amazing moment. And the reason I bring that up, that would not have happened. It was not possible for me to experience unless I was what? Unless I was invited. The invitation was the powerful thing. So I want to ask the question here today, why is Good Friday and why is Easter important? Why do we celebrate it? Why do we get dressed up? Why do we put up lilies and flowers? Why do we make this such a big deal, Good Friday and Easter? Well, I would tell you that it's very simple. The reason is because Good Friday and Easter is God's invitation to you. To join him in the greatest party that there ever will be. Eternity with God. Because he loves you. Good Friday and Easter is very simply his invitation card to you. Now, let's talk about Good Friday and Easter. Obviously, we celebrated Good Friday a few days ago. But what happened on Good Friday? Very simply, Jesus was arrested he was arrested on false charges. They trumped up false charges against him. He was arrested. They put him on trial. They found him guilty, even though he was completely innocent. And then they hauled Jesus off, and they, they beat him, they tortured him, and then they give him a cross, and they forced him to carry a cross to this place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And at the place of the skull, Golgotha, they laid him on the cross, and they nailed him to it. One through each wrist, one through both of his feet. And then they hung him on the cross. He was crucified. Now the question becomes, with today, why did he do that? Why did Jesus die on a cross for you and for me? Well, the answer is because he loves you. But I want to read for you what happened at the very end. So Jesus has been on the cross for quite some time at this point where I'm going to read Scripture. And it's recorded what Jesus did and what Jesus said in his very last seconds of life. And I want to read for you what he says because it's really important. This comes out of John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Listen to what it says. Jesus knew that his mission, remember, he's hanging on the cross. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, which means he died. Jesus says, it is finished. What does he mean? What was finished? What was Jesus' mission when he came to earth, when he died on the cross? What was the mission? Well, very simply, the mission was he was writing an invitation to you 
Every single one of you, you and me, every one of us, by name, it's a personal invitation, and everyone has gotten one. Jesus gives you an invitation on the cross. He took your place on the cross and said, it is finished. My sacrifice pays for your sins. Jesus offers you an opportunity to be in relationship with him. The God of the universe, the king of all kings, says, I want you to be with me because I love you. Jesus says, I already know you. I already know, I already know everything about you, but I want you to know me. So I'm going to die on the cross. Why did he have to die? Because he had to take away the barrier for us accepting an invitation. Do you know what keeps you from the invitation? Sin. Jesus had to remove the barrier. So uh, I didn't tell you something about that Mount Rushmore anniversary thing that I got to be a part of. One of the things that I didn't tell you about was that my parents, before all of that happened, were about the same time, I don't know, you can ask my mom later. Uh, she's here, she's the one that plays the keyboard, so you can, she, she's going to have like 100 people ask her this question. It's going to be awesome. Happy Easter. <laughs> So I don't know how all this worked, but I know, what I do know is before we got to the celebration on the 4th of July that summer, the summer after my 6th grade year, we had already committed to moving away from uh, South Dakota and moving to Eau Claire, Wisconsin for a new job. My dad had taken a new job in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And so I knew that we were supposed to, so we were supposed to be gone before the 4th of July. But my parents, being amazing parents that they are, they agreed to change their schedule and change the work and change all the stuff so that we would not have to leave until the 4th of July. We literally had the, the moving truck was packed and loaded, and I came down off of the mountain from Mount Rushmore, and then we hopped in, and then we left. In the, like the moving truck was ready to go, packed up. I don't even know where I slept that night. I don't remember, but whatever. I was a kid. I didn't care. I was like, ooh, I get to meet the president, you know. But we left. The only reason I got to accept the invitation to sing at the event was because my parents removed the barrier to me accepting it. This is exactly what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross to remove the barrier for you to accept him, to put your belief in him. He took that barrier away. There is no more barrier. That's why the cross is important. In fact, it's very easy for us to accept the invitation. Some of you would be like, well, I know, I can, I know how to RSVP. I need to send an email to somebody and say, yeah, we're going to be there. This is awesome. Thank you. How do you accept the invitation of Jesus to believe in him? Well, let me read for you. It's very simple. All you have to do is this. Romans 10, 9. This is what it says. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, in other words, you say it out loud, you say it to yourself, you say it to others, you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Accepting the invitation is so simple. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. Believe that he died on the cross. Believe that he rose from the tomb, that he's not still in that grave. That he rose to accept that invitation. Now, what I want to do is, in a few moments, not yet, but eventually, we'll give you an opportunity to do that. Some of you figured that coming here today. 
But before I get there, let's talk about why we're really here, which is Easter. Because how many of you are thankful that it did not end on the cross? Right? It did not end on the cross. There's more to the story. There's a whole lot more to the story. We have to go to Easter Sunday morning. That's why we're here, isn't it? We're not here just to celebrate the cross. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And let's talk about why is Easter important? Well, there's two main reasons why Easter is important. Number one, and I actually mentioned this last week in the first part of our series, that when he, we talked about him being a king on a cross. If Jesus was crucified and took our place for sin, that's awesome. But if Jesus then was put in a tomb and remains dead, then you know what we're here to do? We're here worshiping a dead and lying God. Woohoo! How many of us would be excited about that? We worship a dead God and a lying God. He said he can defeat sin and death, and we're going to worship that because he actually didn't defeat sin or death. He's just dead. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty sad God to worship. Right? But aren't you glad this morning that we don't worship a dead God? We don't worship a God who is a lying God. We worship a a God who sent a Savior, who defeats sin and death, and who rose from the grave that Sunday morning, and we have proof of it. We have records of it. We have people who witness this. Let me read one of those witnesses. I want to go to the book of Mark. It's Easter Sunday morning. Some of the women were on their way to the tomb to tend to Jesus' body, to do the normal customary thing, to kind of treat his body and kind of take care of things uh, because he had died three days earlier. And so they get there on Easter Sunday morning, but of course when they get there, they're in shock. Why? Because the tomb is no longer sealed. It's open. The stone has been rolled away. And so I want to read for you what happens when they get there. Mark chapter 16, verses 5 and 6. This is what is recorded happened that morning. When they, that's the women, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. In other words, do you see? The proof is here. He's not here anymore. He has risen from the dead. That's awesome. This is good news. This is why we're here to celebrate Jesus today. Because he's no longer in the tomb. Now, I want to show you a picture. You can actually go to this place to this day. You could hop on an airplane or a boat if you wanted to cross the ocean, go over to Israel, go to the city of Jerusalem, and you'd be able to find this picture. I'm going to show you this picture. This is actually a picture. Let's show it. This is a picture of a tomb called the Herodian family tomb in Jerusalem. You can go there and see this to this day. Now, this is not the tomb where Jesus was buried. I want to be clear about that. I'm not showing you the tomb where Jesus was buried. Okay, but when you look at this picture, what do you see? You clearly see that there's a huge stone. You can kind of see it in the shadows. It's hard to see. But in the upper left-hand corner, do you see that massive round stone? Would have been really difficult for a person to move that. You would have had to have several people move that into place. That is a massive stone that would have been rolled across in front of the earth, kind of behind that arch, to seal that tomb off. You notice that it's made out of solid rock. If you would pan back from this picture, I decided not to put that in there, but this whole thing is basically this one big hill and it's solid rock. 
They carved it out of solid rock into the, into the hill there. Again, this is all in the city of Jerusalem. But then I want you to notice, look at the tomb again. I want you to look inside the tomb. What do you notice? Complete darkness. Complete and utter darkness. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you would look forward to hanging out inside there? No way. How many of you would get your euchre buddies together and like, let's, let's go into the tomb, play some cards? No, you're not. Why? Because nobody wants to be in a tomb. A tomb signifies what? It signifies death. It signifies complete finality. It, it signifies darkness. You know why Easter is so important today? Because what Jesus did on the cross is he invited you to get rid of sin. But on the grave, when he walked out of the tomb, when he released himself from death, he invites you to run out of the grave, to leave the tomb, to not have to be buried by the tomb, to not have to be scared of death anymore because Jesus has offered you eternity with him so that when we die, we don't actually die. We just spend eternity with him. Easter is important because Jesus conquered death and he gives you the opportunity to do the same. But the truth is here today we all have tombs, don't we? Tombs that hold us down. Can I share you with you what one of my tombs are? I have a few tombs because here's, here's the deal. We all have tombs. Some of ours are different from each other, but we all have tombs. My tomb, one of my tombs, is self-doubt and fear. It's one of my tombs. I know, I, 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 I look and play a good game right here. And this is not false, but it's me constantly having to tell myself and tell Satan, I am a child of God and I am worthy of his love, even though I've done nothing to earn it. One of my tombs is self-doubt and fear. In fact, I suffer from something that we have actually diagnosed with a term. How many of you have heard of the term imposter syndrome? Anybody heard of that term? Okay. I suffer a little bit. I don't suffer a lot from it. I suffer a little bit from it. Imposter syndrome is very simply this. It's the belief and the fear that people are going to find out that you're not as good at whatever it is you do that you think you are or that they think you are. It's imposter. It's, it's that you feel like you're an imposter even though you're not an imposter. It's an irrational fear about your worth. A lot of people deal with imposter syndrome. I deal with that a little bit. And the truth is today, we need to get personal for just a minute and then we're going to kind of land the plane and wrap things up. Because uh, let me just tell you, church, if we don't get personal, then we are wasting our time here. Because Jesus did not die on a cross and rose from the grave so that we can just perfunctory kind of show up and do a thing. He didn't, he didn't die on a cross and rose himself from the grave so that we can just kind of do something and be like, woo, happy Easter, he is risen, he is risen indeed. Anybody done that this morning? A few of us? Jesus died and then rose from the grave so that we can walk out of our own graves. 
so that we can leave our tombs. And my question for you today is this, and I want you to really think about this. What is your tomb? What's the tomb that you deal with? Maybe it's shame from your past. Maybe some of you have experienced something, maybe something that was done to you, maybe something that you did that brings you incredible amounts of shame and regret. Maybe you've never walked out of that tomb. Maybe you've locked yourself in the tomb for years with your shame. Maybe nobody else even knows it. Maybe your tomb is addiction. There's a very high percentage of our people in this country who are addicted to something. Alcohol. It's a big one. Drugs. Unhealthy relationships. Did you know you can be addicted to a person in an unhealthy way? Some of us are addicted to a person that is really unhealthy for us. Maybe it's fear. Maybe your tomb is fear like mine. Maybe you fear how your kids are going to turn out. Maybe you fear about what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you're scared of how our country is, where our country is headed one way or the other. Maybe you're scared of COVID. Maybe, maybe fear is your tomb. Well, today I want to invite you, God invites you to be free of your tomb to be free from fear, to be free of addiction, to be free from shame and regret. In fact, I want to give you an example of this, of this tomb of fear that can be really debilitating. So just last week, some of you that are golfers, you're going to know this, but I want to show you a picture. This guy is named Scotty Scheffler, and he just won the Masters Tournament last weekend. All right. So when you win the Masters, obviously you get this green jacket and, you know, so this whole thing. His name is Scotty Scheffler. Uh, first time for him to win this. It was an amazing thing. But let me just tell you, a lot of people were kind of upset about the Masters because he won by three strokes, which means there was no drama at the end. And, and so there were a lot of people on articles and everything. They're like, man, the Masters was so boring. He just ran away with it. Some of you are like, it's always boring. It's golf. <laughs> I get it. I'll be the first to admit, I love golf, I enjoy watching golf and playing golf, but I will say this, of all the sports I watch, I fall asleep faster to this one. I'm with you. <laughs> I do love the sport. But Scotty Scheffler won the Masters, and there was a reporter, they were asking him questions, and let me just tell you, I would encourage you, listen to some of the things he says. He is a faithful follower of Jesus. He said some awesome things. I'm not even going to bring that up, actually, here this morning. I want to focus on something else that he said, something that didn't make as much news, but it definitely was in a lot of the, the conversations and articles. I want to read for you what he, what he said. He was asked this question. He said, well, how did you prepare for Sunday? Like his tea time was in the Sunday afternoon. And so they said, how did you prepare, prepare for this? How did Sunday morning go for you? Well, this is, this is his quote. This is a direct quote from one of the conversations that he had. Listen to what he said. Scotty Scheffler said, last night was fine. He's talking about Saturday night. This morning, he's talking about Sunday morning. This morning was a totally different story. I cried like a baby this morning. I was so stressed out. 
I didn't know what to do. I was sitting there telling Meredith, that's his wife, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm not ready. I don't feel like I'm ready for this kind of stuff, and I just feel overwhelmed. Leave that quote up there for just a minute. Let those words sink in for just a minute. How many of you in here, if you were going to admit it, you feel that way about life or about a certain area of life or a relationship that you've got going on right now? You're scared. You're overwhelmed. Maybe the, there's a marriage that hasn't turned out right and you don't know what to do about it. Maybe you feel, you know your addiction is killing you, but you don't know what to do because you you've been trying to defeat it for decades. And you're overwhelmed and you're stressed. And in the quietness and the private moments, you're crying because you don't know what to do. Let me remind you today that Jesus invites you to run out of your tomb. You don't need to be held down by addiction. You don't need to be held down by shame. Jesus ran out of the grave not so that you can stay in the grave, but so that you can leave the grave, so that you can run out of that tomb. And my question to you today is, will you do it? Will you accept Jesus? Will you believe in him? Give your life to him today. So as I promised, as we end today, I want to give you an opportunity to accept the invitation. Because here's the deal. If I hand you an invitation to something, what, what, what do we all know is true? In order for you to experience whatever I invited you to, what do you have to do? You have to accept it, don't you? You have to agree to jump into it. Or you can do what some people do with invitations. They're like, eh, trash can. The choice is yours. Jesus has made you an invitation, an amazing one. Will you accept it? I want to give you that opportunity right now, and then we're going to end our service in a very, very powerful way. Would you join me as we pray, and I'll give you that opportunity right now. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, in this moment... I want to ask that you would just meet with us here. There are a lot of people in this room. We have showed up to worship you, to celebrate Easter, to celebrate the fact that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. But right now, God, in this moment, there are people in this room who have never, they've never accepted your invitation to join them. They've never accepted the invitation to run out of their tomb, to be free of sin, to be forgiven from sin, and to be free of the pain and the finality of death. And so God, for anybody that's in here, maybe their heart's beating faster, they realize this is them. They know, they're sitting there right now, they know this is, this is for them, this is their moment. They realize they've never done this and they need to. God, I pray that you would give them courage to do what they need to do right now. 
God, I want to ask for anybody who needs to accept the invitation of Jesus that they would simply say these words. Maybe they say them out loud. Maybe they say them quietly in their heart to you. But may they be real. Maybe they be genuine. Anybody who wants to accept Jesus, I just pray these words. Jesus, today I accept you. Forgive me of my sins. I accept your invitation. Today, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Thank you for saving me. to give you praise for all of those who prayed that prayer just now. That their name is written in the Lamb's book of life, that they are free. But God, there may be others in here who they accepted you long ago, but they've put their belief in you so long ago. They've been walking with you, but they believe in you. But maybe they have a tomb it's fear, it's shame, it's addiction. It's been holding them down. They, they haven't been able to admit it to themselves or anybody else, but it's been holding them back. God, I pray that you would remind them that you've invited them to run out of the tomb, to leave the tomb behind, to break it. The stone has been rolled away. All they have to do is leave to accept your invitation to be in relationship with you, that your love covers everything, and all they have to do is accept it. Remind them today that they can rest in your power. We thank you for dying on the cross and we thank you for resurrecting from the grave so that we can have hope of all hope. Thank you for loving us, God. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.